Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, teaching pastor Steve Carter has part two of the iHeart series. This message is titled, How Do We Honor People Who Don't Like Us? So good to see you all. Okay, a show of hands. How many of you are actually thinking about running the Chicago Marathon? Okay, Uh, that's actually better than I thought. I've only done it one time, one time. And um, I I just thought, "That's, that's great. A whole bunch of people, Team World Vision, I'll do it. Yeah, great. And you always, like, think that you're going to train, and I didn't. Um, and I will tell you um, three pieces of why you should do this. Number one, if you want to know what heaven's going to look like, I guarantee you it's going to look like the Chicago Marathon. And here's why. Because you are literally running through the neighborhoods of Chicago And everyone, like, there's no other marathon like this, where there are people who are coming out of, like, onto the streets, cheering for you, celebrating in, like, their culture, and you were just, like, running, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, what heaven is going to be like. Second piece, train, because if you don't train, you will experience what I experienced, um, and you will literally hit a wall, but what was incredible about it was when you run with other people. And random people were just coming up to me, and they, could, they must have seen on my face that I was losing all salt or whatever. And like one guy just stopped and was like, I'm going to pray that you finish. And I'm like, I'm going to pray that I get rescued from this. Um, but uh, literally, like you, you pass the finish line, and here's just some things that nobody ever told me. I'm sure if Chris Hankins saw me, he would have told me this. When you park... You park like a mile and a half away, and then you got to walk to the starting line. And then you think that you're running 26.2 miles. And at the end, then when you can't feel your legs since you didn't train, you've got to walk back to your car. And I was like, I'm done, dude. I need like a golf cart. Like, I, I, I need help. Um, but I'll tell you, I kid you not, the city shows up. The city shows out. It is one of the most amazing experiences. So, uh, like Ari shared, like I hope that you guys will do this and support. Seriously, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable experience. So, with that, we are in week two, like you heard. Um, I thought Eric just did a phenomenal job last week talking about, yeah, just kicking the series off. And we're looking at... These words, these Greek words for love. I mean, we, we, we just throw the word love around all the time. You know, like I, I love tacos. I love my wife. We, we almost like, it's like synonymous, right? But in the Greek culture, they were very, very intentional. Words mattered to them. Verbal precision mattered. And so you had agape, which was like unconditional love. Uh, you had eros, which is kind of like this erotic love. You had phileo, which you'll hear more about in a few weeks. But it was, it was kind of like this friendly love, this attachment. But then you also had storge, which was kind of like this family, this like tender, kind kind of love. What's amazing, though, storge is not actually in the scriptures, but that's what I'm going to talk about today. But before you think that I'm not going to talk from the scriptures, i got to tell you that the word by itself isn't in the scriptures. But the word astorge is in. Now, storge, first slide, literally means heartless. Heartless. The A, whenever there's just an A in front of, the A is a prefix in front of a Greek word, it's, it's kind of like the idea of anti. It's anti-heart. And what 
the, the Greeks saw was that there were times and seasons and moments in the way that people were where there was like less heart. And when you had less heart, it meant more sin. Less heart, more shame. Less heart, more hate. Less heart, more judgment. Less heart, more pain. And Paul in Romans 1 starts detailing what people who are unashamed of the gospel look like. And then he talks about people who have just been taken over by their own desires, their own longings. And he says this in Romans 1.31. He says this, they have no understanding. They break promises. They are astorge. They are heartless and no, no mercy. For some of you who are more familiar with, with culture and music, Kanye West once said this, how could you be so heartless? How could you be so heartless? Do you ever have these moments where you're on Twitter and you're like, how could you be so heartless? Or you're watching what's happening in the world and you go, how could you be so heartless? You have these moments where you start to see where someone just says something and they're literally like, you're thinking to yourself, how could you be so heartless? Every action Jesus will say flows from the heart. The writers of the Proverbs will talk about how it's our job to protect and guard this precious real estate of our heart. Because if not, it can become so easy for each and every one of us to live a life with less heart. There's a business guy in, in Texas and very, very odd job that he had. Um, he, he kind of grew and raised and sold deer. I loved venison. Any of you deer hunters in here? Right here, <laughs> that was amazing, right here, I got it. We're going to your house. Um, and, and what's amazing is this guy realized something, the most precious part wasn't the actual meat, it was the antlers. And so he had this idea, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna raise them, and then I'll cut off the antlers of these deer, and I'll sell them overseas, and I'm gonna make so much money. And the first season, he made a ton of money, but then the next season, Something happened where there were less deer because deer, and especially male deers, were dying. And what he began to realize was when he took off all the antlers, all of these deers just were so dumb enough to just run into each other. And there was literally no antlers, nothing to protect them, and they were dying. I was just getting concussed, brain damage, dying. And what I began to realize is when I see this picture of these deers, there's something about how these antlers give people a rule of engagement. It actually makes these deer stronger. It actually like kind of helps them and protects them. But the problem is, is often many of us, when we engage with another person who doesn't share the same rules of engagement, their words, their actions, the things that they type or say or text, their passive aggressiveness can be modeled in such a way that just is absolutely heartless. The problem is, is we expect that to happen in our world, but the problem is, is when that happens within the church and when it flows from the church out into the city. And what we have to be is the kind of people who get back to the scriptures I'm sitting there worshiping and I'm looking at this idea of a way maker and I just love that song. And you know, there was something in the 80s 
where we remove crosses from stages. And I just was sitting there listening to this way maker and this song. And I kept thinking about how God made this way for us. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I'm so grateful that God in his spirit, in his truth, in his reality has no ounce of being heartless towards us. And when I see this cross, I am reminded, I'm reminded of how we, we for a city, are to be not heartless, but more heart. The act of the vulnerability of that heart to send his son, and many of us have gone through seasons before we knew Christ, and even when we heard about Christ, where we were like, I want no part of that. But the cross still stayed present. And it wasn't like God was like, okay, you don't want me? Less heart for you. It was almost like God said, okay, I'll wait you out. I'm gonna keep pursuing you. I'm gonna get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to you. Even though you want nothing with me, I'm gonna continue to pursue you. That's our God. And even when we don't see it, even when we can't feel it, he continually is working to make a way so that we can experience his heart, his good, good heart. The problem is, I think for many of us, we can say when it comes to other people, whether in our family, whether in the marketplace, whether online, whether in our city, whether in our school, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, I don't experience this sense of more heart. It's I don't see it because you know what? That person's mean. That person is cruel. That person doesn't know my story. That person doesn't actually want to actually engage with me. They just want to be considered right. Or they read into the words that I say. I was preaching recently in a diff- different state. I was preaching, I get done, and a few days later, I get an email, and someone just starts asking me all these questions, and, and I, I, I respond back, but I didn't answer the questions like he wanted, and, and he just flooded me with more, like, angst, and so I kind of just backed up for a second. I felt my, I felt like my insides getting a little, like, just a little amped up, and I was like, now I want to win, which is me, less heart. Me actually being a storge, and that's the problem with me, is I feel, when I feel like some sense of someone else is adding pride, I think it's my job to humble them. It's not the gospel. That's why I got to focus on the cross. And I had this moment, I'm just sitting there and I'm watching this, and I just stepped away from the computer, and then I returned and I just said, hey, can you just help me understand what's really going on? And then the guy goes, you're arrogant. You're smug and you are dishonest. And then I was like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> like, I, I literally got my mind and heart right, re-engaged, and that guy was like, chick, chick, we're going deer hunting. This deer's name's Steve, you know, and just shot me. And I, I, I sat here in this moment going, well, how am I going to respond? Now I really want to be right. Now I really want to win. And the problem is, is when we have relationships, and this is like, it's like a banking analogy, when we don't have positive override, then everything we hear, we're running it through our own personal filter, and we're not giving another the benefit of the doubt. 
So we hear our spouse say something and because there's not intimacy or there's not connection or there's not just kind of this, this open, all of a sudden then we're like, she's against me, he's against me. Or in the marketplace, he's against me, she's against me. Or with our kids, he's against me, she's against me. And all of a sudden, we don't actually see someone as Christ sees them, we see them on how much is in the bank account for them. And friends, I tell you, I see this all the time, in person and online, and unfortunately, even in the church. And I think we've got to get back to understanding God's heart, seeing as God sees each and every one of us. And so one word is a storge, the anti-heart, the less heart. But the second word that we see where storge is used is this mixture of two words of love, philo storgoi, which literally means this devoted and attached in true love. And this is amazing because this isn't just two people making this decision or three people making this, this, this decision. It's one person choosing, I will be devoted and I will attach myself to you because I want the best for you. And that person can choose to receive that or not. But I'm gonna consistently choose to be devoted and attached in true love. And we see this word philostory is used in Romans 12, 10, when it says love one another. This is the call, and Paul's talking to the church in Rome, this upstart little church, and he goes, hey, in the face of Pax Romana, which is like the anthem of Rome, the peace and security and financial blessing of Rome, we're not gonna play their game, which is like fear and power. We're actually gonna live out love, true devotion, true attachment, true love as Christ modeled for us, we're gonna give that to the world. And then Paul, Paul does something that I absolutely love. If you keep reading Romans 12, 10, he says this, love one another with brotherly, sisterly affection, this true attachment, and then he turns it into a competition, which I love. He goes, outdo one another in showing honor. Like the only time there's competition in the Bible, it's right here where there's a positive for competition. He's like this, here's what I want you to do. I want you, Church of Rome, I want you to actually outdo each other in showing honor. Like this week, we should outdo Charmon in showing honor. That should be in your mind. I'm gonna outdo Charmon, easy, that's easy, that's buckets. I, I, you know, you should, and I actually just broke that rule right now, I was just, but here's the thing, like you have to outdo showing one another in honor. You, should, you, you have to outdo Eric Parks in showing honor. You have to outdo Walt Scott in showing honor. You have to outdo Carrington in showing honor. Outdo each other in showing honor. And when we do this, it's literally like we are choosing the cross and choosing the heart of God and choosing high devotion, high attachment in true cross-centered, cruciformed love for the other. And when we live like this, it's absolutely countercultural. And I'm not saying you're not gonna get hurt, but I also say that that hurt too. And this is where a lot of people are like, well, no, 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 I'll, I'll actually show you honor if you show me honor. 
It's that if-then theology. If you do this, then I'll do this. That's, that's not actually outdoing one another. Well, if you get me one gift, then I'm like, I'll get you another gift. No, no, no. What we do for cities, we actually go first. Because we've understood, we've understood that there's a way, astorgos, being heartless, or there's a gospel cross cruciform kind of way, which we understand God went first, and because he went first, then we're going to go first. Even when it doesn't make sense. So here's what I want to do, is I want to break this down. And I want us to talk about this. And we're going to look, next slide, at the three essentials. The three essentials of honor that I believe if you actually do this, you will model not an astorgos, heartless, less heart, more sin kind of life. You will literally be able to embody the cruciform cross reality that Jesus modeled for us and that we are called to model for others. The first one is this, is that when you understand this, is that honor values preparing your heart. See, when you don't actually give credit to how your heart is doing, you don't actually take inventory on what is going and stirring in your heart, it is easy, easy, easy for you to actually drift back into astorgos and just say whatever you want to say. Text whatever you want to text. Not think about that there's somebody else on the other side of that tweet or that Facebook post or that next door app, which is where crazy goes to live. And like there is another person on that other side. And if you don't think about them that they're a child of God, you don't prepare your heart in the morning, you miss it. I mean, I love this because our staff, we get together at 7 a.m., 7 a.m., before anybody ever is in this room, we get together, we have some coffee. I mean, Charmon is fired up, which I just love. Wakes me up. He's passionate. We have this moment where we just start talking. And today, like, right before we kind of went out, Eric just shared a few words. And Eric just said, hey, you know, here's what you got to understand. We're going into a season. And in this season, every one of us has this responsibility to, to like, dive into God's word to be connected to Christ, to make sure that you're taking care of your heart and your mind. This is, this is exactly, he didn't know what I was talking about. He didn't know that this, but I was listening to that going, that's what it means to prepare our heart. That's our self-leadership, self-responsibility. The question is, how are you preparing your heart? Because if it's being filled with news and tweets and negativity and angst and drama, I guarantee you what's going to come out of your heart is more of that. But when it's actual moments of peace and shalom and Jesus and the cross and the scriptures and actually people who are pushing you in the right kinds of ways and challenging you and inspiring you, what's going to come out of your heart? Better stuff. But the question is, how are you preparing your heart? And for me, one of the ways, obviously, is scripture. Another way is just walking. I walk a ton. And when I'm walking, like, I, I just find myself just meditating on scripture. See, when I, when I write a message, I ask questions of the text. But when I prepare my heart and I meditate on the scriptures, I allow the text to ask questions of me. How are, you, how are you really doing? Is there anywhere in your life that you're heartless? Yeah? We're gathering together with the Elgin crew yesterday. And this guy, Greg, he, 
he just quoted an old Dorothy Day quote. And he said, you know what's amazing is that we gotta be the kind of church that loves like God loves. Which I'm like, yeah. And then he says, you know how you know this? And he quotes Dorothy Day and goes, you love God to the degree that you love the person you love the least. And I was like, you shut your mouth. That is too honest. Can you imagine what he's saying there? He's going, you, you want to know how much you love God? Just look to the person that you love the least. That's how much you love God. The question you've got to ask yourself, is your life more a storgos, heartless? Less heart towards that person. Less heart towards that, that political party. Less heart towards that color of skin, less heart towards that person who lives in that part of the neighborhood, less heart towards that coworker, less heart. But when you actually begin to understand, just like you would be in the gym working or being and prepping your mind, when you begin to prepare your heart, and prepare literally means before you go public. It's what nobody sees. And when I see someone react, you know what I think? Didn't prepare their heart. It's like when I see someone who gets up on stage and teaches and they're not prepared, I go, ah, they didn't prepare. When I see someone react, ah, they didn't prepare their heart. And when you don't prepare your heart, you will be a storgos. And that's what the enemy wants. So it might require 15 minutes getting up a little early, getting in your word, going for a walk. And you don't have to try and pile through the Bible. Let the Bible read your life. Give the Give access to the Spirit of God. Watch what he does. You go to Ephesians. Ephesians is just powerful. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And I love this. Which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What's incredible is that when you actually obey your parents in the Lord, and you actually honor, something happens. And what this call is, what this call is, and Jesus will talk about it, Paul will talk about it in Philippians, but the second essential of actually outdoing one another in honor is recognizing that honor, honor, doesn't, it's not just valuing preparing your heart, but honor values others above yourself. And this, this is something that for many of us, we struggle with. I mean, I, I, this was ingrained in me as a kid. Walk into a room and I could tell who were the movers and shakers in a room. It was ingrained in me. It was taught to me by osmosis. One of my parents just knew how to tell me that's the person who's running the meeting. Go talk to them. And unfortunately, it was good wisdom if I want to get ahead in the world. But it made me bypass people who were in the room, who were children of God. And the way of Jesus, not a store ghost, not heartless, the way of Jesus, the way of the cross is to value every single person you come across who is different than you, different in belief, different in how you see the world as more important than you. I mean, can you, can you just, just think about this? Like every time, and there's these moments, let's just be really, really honest. You're like probably going and you're like talking to someone. You're like, oh my goodness, there's Carrington. He's like four feet from me. Maybe, maybe he'll see me. And you just start to try to end the conversation and you start to do that slow dance to the right, 
to the right, to the right. Hey, Carrington. Hey, uh, and, and we, we, what about this person? What about this person? If this person is actually a child of God, if this person actually matters, so is Carrington, but so is this person. And this is unfortunately what we end up doing is we end up just kind of putting people into our own personal caste system. And we start to say, this person, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're holy. Not so much. These people can actually help me financially or vocationally. These people, not so much. These people, and all of a sudden we start to see through those lens. And I'm telling you what, I kid you not, you will be one step, two steps, three steps closer to being heartless. Because it's about you. What's going to get me ahead? What's going to make me feel seen? What's going to make me feel known? What's going to actually make me feel important? Which is the anti-gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came for you and actually valued you and you didn't deserve it. And then he says, let's go be that kind of people to the world. Now, this is essential. So kids, we got to do this with our parents. We got to do this with every single person we come in contact with, even when it doesn't make sense. And I kid you not, it's so hard in so many ways. But what's amazing is two words that are used, honor and obedience, honor and obey. But honor is the attitude of the heart. Obedience is the action of the heart. So if you don't prepare your heart and you don't actually choose to see, hey, this person I value above myself because I've prepared my heart, then I can act in obedience to what I've prepared. But if you haven't prepared this, you will obey whatever you need or whatever is gonna be easiest or most convenient or what's gonna help you get ahead. And oftentimes that is in direct competition with the gospel. Let's go back to the scriptures one more time. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, what's incredible, and some of you have probably heard me say this before, is in the Hebrew culture, the idea of honor wasn't you just do what I say. I mean, as parents, we just wished it was that simple. But honor in the Jewish mindset was simply this. You're going to take it farther. Like, this is how you honor your mom and your dad. You take it farther. For some of you, your parents grew up in the greatest generation. That's what, the, what they like to refer to themselves with. Um, because they like to outdo one another in showing honor. So they're like, we're the greatest generation. And in many ways, they were. They went through the depression. They went through so much. We hear the stories of this incredible generation. But there was some brokenness there. There's a lot of, lot of addiction, alcoholism. They had kids. And all of a sudden, those kids, boomers, and they had a lot of kids. So many kids, we probably won't have a social security account. They had a lot of kids. And those, those kids went to work. And oftentimes, a lot of those kids longed for their parents to see them, but the parents were good in so many ways, but there was a lot of trauma. And there wasn't emotional health, emotional intelligence, spiritual formation language. It was like, show up and do your job. And then they had kids. And they had kids. This is the first time we're in a church where we actually have five generations that are represented. But when you actually begin to recognize how kids, when they actually honor their parents, they've actually taken it farther emotionally, spiritually, 
They've taken it farther. And you look at the trauma. I think of the trauma that my parents came out of and they did the best that they could. And they handed me a baton. And now it's my responsibility to say, okay, I see the brokenness. I see the trauma. I see that one of you were children of an alcoholic. I see the pain. You did the best you could emotionally. You did the best you could. Now it's my job to take it farther. And, you know, you got to understand this. People ask me all the time, Steve, how do you know you're going to be a good parent? I'm like, I don't. The only way I know is that when my kids go to counseling, they're going to go to counseling for different reasons than I go. Because I didn't pass down the same stuff. But I gave them stuff. Now it's their job to take it farther. See, the three essentials of showing honor to not be a storygos, but to actually be someone of this phileo storygoi, this true love, attached kind of love, devoted kind of love. As you understand that, I'm going to take it farther. Even when it's not easy. I'm going to value others above myself. Even when you have nothing to give me that's going to help my career, that's going to help, I'm actually going to value you because I actually believe you might not have anything to help my career, but you have something to teach me about the Almighty God. Because you were created in His image. And that's only going to come when I've prepared my heart. So here's what I want you to think about. How are you going to prepare your heart this week? Because again, when we gather, we're learning plays for the week. When we gather as a church, it's almost like this huddle where we come together and yes, we have songs that lift our spirits and lift our focus and our tension, but we together have this sense of solidarity where we go, this is gonna be our play. And I'm telling you what, friends, I think for me in my prep time was simply that word, you gotta just challenge them to prepare their heart. Because it all flows from the heart. Series is called I Heart. And for many of us, we don't like preparing. But I kid you not, when you begin to make space, and maybe for some of you, it's just starting in a book of the Bible. Start in the book of Philippians or the book of Luke and just go slow. Just go slow, sit in it. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's listening to a worship song. I was talking, uh, I do a sports podcast called The Home Team with Sam Ocho and Trey Burton. And those two guys, athletes, and they were talking, and one of them, no joke, this is what they said. You know what I listen to every day? That song, Promises. And I was like, well, I know one of the guys who wrote the song, Promises. He's part of Forest City Church. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. But all of a sudden, I started hearing this and they were just talking about this anthem of that song Promises and it set their head right, their mind right, their outlook right because it had their heart getting right with the Lord. And you gotta find that. What's that song? What's that verse? Who are those people? What is that activity? And maybe it's a form of art. For me, it's hiking and just walking, I almost got to walk it out of my body, but how will you choose to prepare your heart? I'm telling you what, friends, nobody drifts towards phileo storge. We drift towards heartlessness. Nobody drifts towards holiness. We drift away from it. Nobody drifts towards actually being someone who embodies and picks up and carries and is willing to actually embody what Jesus went through. No, we go towards what is most easiest. And so when I say prepare your heart, I got to ask you, when are you going to prepare your heart? That's to the next level. Is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be at lunch? 
But until you put it in ink, you will drift. You will drift. And structure always breeds freedom if it's done with the right heart and right intent. So how are you going to prepare your heart? Because when you prepare your heart, everyone you see you will recognize as a child of God and you will choose to value them. And when you value them, you're taking it farther. Because what Jesus is saying is, I'm trusting you with my story. Go take it farther. Showcase my love, my devotion, my attachment. Showcase that. And when you do this, like Ephesians 6 says, that commandment comes with the promise, you will live well. You will live in peace, not anxiety. You will live well. And as a pastor, I want that for you, for a city. And I want that for our world. So let's be those people, amen? Amen. Let's pray right now. And I just wanna pray that maybe God might just whisper to you a space in which you can prepare your heart. Lord, we're living in a world right now where we've actually celebrated the act of being a storgos, heartless. As cruel as we need to be to call those people out, to be angry. But God, that's not the, what you desire for your church. And so God, I'm asking that we would actually take true inventory of how we're preparing our heart. And we'd actually value others above ourselves and we'd actually take your gospel farther into our cities and into the marketplace, into our home and into this world. But give us insight, God. Give us insight in how we can do this so that we can be people that are not heartless but people who are more heart, more tender, more kind, more devotion, more honor to your gospel. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You've been listening to Forest City Church teaching pastor Steve Carter with the message, how do we honor people who don't like us? You can watch the online version of this message by going to youtube.com slash Church. Thanks for listening.